We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a transformative principle by listening to amazing leaders tell their stories. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. And please like the Facebook page for this podcast, facebook.com slash Transformative Principle. Transformative Principle, episode 84, with Dr. Robert Dillon. I'm going to finish my interview with Dr. Robert Dillon in this episode, and I hope that you are able to take away some things about how you can be an innovative leader in your organization, even if you don't have the title of Director of Innovation like he does. One of the things I learned a few weeks ago at the Model Conference is that That position of director of innovation is really important in this day and age. We need people who are out front looking for the next, the next trend, the next thing that will engage our students and, and put their learning at the forefront. And one thing that Dr. Bill Daggett said in that uh, keynote was you don't need the title of director of innovation to be able to innovate and to look ahead and to do your best to meet the needs of your kids. And I hope that as you listen to Dr. Dillon tonight, talk about that, you will also be able to see how you can apply that in your own situation. You know, I just, there, there are so many things, and you know, I have a really great role right now in the Afton School District here in St. Louis where um, my role is to kind of keep the system lubricated uh, and to get rid of friction in the system, get rid of things that are silly, that are getting in teachers' ways, mm-hmm. keep pushing ideas into the, in the, into the space. And in doing that, um, you know, I, there are moments, though, where I'm like, you know what, if I could go back and... Uh, into a middle school space or maybe even an elementary space. Um, I feel like I've stepped away long enough to kind of 
reflect and consolidate some of my ideas on what really could make an effective um, culture in a school. Because, you know, I think we all know that you can't change programming without changing culture. And you can't change yeah. culture without changing programming. And uh, it's a two-headed monster that we have to be working on both at the same time. Yep, absolutely. So um, talk a little bit more about your position. You're the director of technology and the director of innovation, right? Correct. Okay, and so uh, what does director of innovation mean? Is that just a fluff title? You can do whatever the heck you want? No yes. guidance? <laughs> yes, nothing. I just, I'm, I'm a rogue agent around here. <laughs> uh, I, some people would think that, but... um. You know, I, I think originally my role here was to come and make sure that the technology systems were uh, moving at a, a much faster pace and rate that they were. I mean, it was a school district that, you know, was 10 years behind and didn't want to catch up, but they wanted to jump ahead. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I said, I'm going to make five years worth of change in 18 months. And we came in and did that. But I also knew that, um, I would never be able to just rest on my laurels. So I started looking for other places in the system that weren't moving fast enough or were inhibiting growth. And so now we're finding my role leaning into uh, communication and curation of information, looking at learning space design, looking at uh, finding cohorts of people that are interested in looking at uh, innovative practice, you know, bringing other folks from outside of the school district into the school district to see what we're doing, to share, to kind of build uh, some of those connected bridges that we know are really important, mm-hmm. and then to uh, be there for our innovative teachers, our kind of, you know, I would say early adopters around innovation, and really just continue to support them and make sure they have the things they need. Uh, some of those are technology-related. Um and some of those are just to, somebody to listen to and fire ideas off of. So it really is a uh, an excellent um, position that you know may not have even existed you know two or three years ago. But I have a feeling that most of the rest of my career I will have jobs that don't currently exist. <laughs> That's awesome. So how did your position come into being? Because that sounds like a great place to work and a great way to work because where else can you focus on technology and then say you know what we also need to talk about learning spaces and i also need to get my fingers in this issue over here how did that how did that all come about well i I, there is a beauty in being in a small place so we have about 2500 kids uh, k-12 and so you know, when you're in a small organization, you naturally wear more hats. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes if you're in that organization and you say, I'd like to wear this hat, they're, they'll, they'll give it to you. And so I, I knew that we were ready to make a bunch of learning space changes. And um, we, we changed five or six different spaces in a really big way on a budget. Um, and really probably that's the proudest part of this last semester for me and my team was that we were able to really get folks in our buildings thinking differently about what, um, you know, learning spaces should look like. I, I almost never use the word classroom anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, it's that important that we change the mental model of how and where kids learn and the environment they learn in. So, um, 
you know, and, I, and I'm someone who always needs kind of a new project and a new passion. So I'm uh, this has been what I've leaned into lately, but it's been a lot of fun. And then, you know, I think the next level of this is starting to export uh, some of what we do. Um, I know that our teachers get better when they tell our story. And we know that everything from teachers that blog to teachers that tweet uh, to teachers that present at conferences. And so we're really trying to ramp up the amount of uh, teacher voice that are telling our story. Um, at some point in time, it can't all be uh, Bob telling the story of the district. And it hasn't been by any means. But we need to have you know, an army of 40 or 50 or 60 people that are doing that on a consistent basis. So that, that lies ahead for us. Hmm. So with, <clears throat> excuse me, with 2,500 kids, you said, um, 40 and um, 50 teachers, that's going to be a significant uh, group of teachers. How do you get the teachers to um, buy into that idea? And, you know, many teachers are introverts and don't like talking to other adults and are comfortable being teachers because they... Because they don't have to, they they get to work with a bunch of kids and just focus there. How do you how do you guide people towards that, or do you just find those who are willing and give them a, a microphone, basically? Yeah. So we actually have about two hundred certified staff here. So we're a little bit bigger certified staff than that. But um, we, um, yeah. And so it's it's twofold. I mean, you you have to uh, convince folks that telling their story is an important part of a number of things. It, it gives them space to do some of the things that you're, they're curious and creative about because people understand what goes on in their room. And when the community is really excited about a project you're doing, you're apt to get more space from your leadership to do that work. And so that's, that's one piece. But there certainly are people that are more or less comfortable in telling story. Um, and so, you know, I think one of the easiest things to ask folks to do is to, uh, if that's not your strength, allow it to be the strength of your students and empower them. And we're getting a lot of people rolling on that are saying, oh, well, I can have these three students be the documenters of the day. They can take mm -hmm. 10 pictures every day with our iPads. And then all I have to do is post them and put a caption on them, or we can talk about caption writing. And so how do you roll the storytelling of individual classrooms back into the learning in the classroom? And we have some people that are picking things up that way that aren't natural storytellers. And so we're seeing a nice uh, natural growth that are, that's coming from that piece too. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty awesome. One of the themes that we're going to do at our school next year is finding your audience and helping our teachers give our students assignments that they can share with their own audience and being really intentional about saying, who is it that you want to read this research paper or who is it that you want to see this presentation? And for some kids, that's going to be I only want my teacher. For other kids, that's going to be, I want the whole class. For other kids, that's going to be, I want to put this out on the internet and I want to put myself out there. And others are going to say, you know what, I just want to show my siblings and my parents because that's all that I really care about. And what we want to do is help make that part of the conversation that you're actually thinking about who it is that you are 
doing this assignment for and you know take it away from you know the teacher being the the fount of all knowledge and the only one who can you know make a judgment about what a kid is learning and and giving opportunities for the kids to to really see that they can be in charge of and direct their own learning and that it doesn't have to come from one source all the time which has been the the traditional model and certainly not the way that that I personally learn the most right yeah and you know that authentic audience raises the quality of work tremendously um my good friend and author Ron Berger uh has a great little book I don't know if you've read Ethic of Excellence but he just talks about how important that authentic audience is for kids and for adults. And so um, I think that's really important. And then the other piece of that is, you know, I like to, I, I started asking teachers, how are you contributing to education beyond this school? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a powerful question that I realize so many folks don't even engage with. Um, how are you contributing to something larger, the big E of education, as opposed to just the things going on in your classroom? And um, a lot of folks struggled with that question, and I was okay with letting them struggle in that question, uh, and then um, you know supporting around that. I, and it really has shifted a lot of people's practice uh, over the last few years after asking people that question. Um, because we're not in a day and age where I don't think we have the luxury of just taking care of the 25, 30, however many kids you have in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, even as a principal, I think we have a role larger. And, um, uh, you know, how, how do we go about that? I think it's a, it's a great question to ask. Yeah, so so why why is that important? What I For 100-plus years teacher's been in front of her kids that's who needs that information why do we need to worry about contributing to the to the bigger education than what's happening in our classroom that's been the the rallying cry i can just go into my classroom and close my door and just worry about my kids in here why do we need to worry about what's happening beyond our classroom yeah you know I, for me it's it's about being humble and saying I am never going to know everything that I could know. I need help. I need help with my work. I need someone, I need other people to make me better. And if you're at that point where you're saying that, that requires you to also say, if I want other people to help me, I'm going to need to help other people. Mm-hmm. And so that's the mindset we want in our teachers is that you know we aren't we need other people to help us so we can help our kids or we need other people to help our kids even that directly and if we believe that then those people aren't going to magically exist unless there are people out helping other people and so um to me it's about amplifying the work in the classroom but in order to do that, you've got to both receive and give uh, as, a, as a partner to education as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And and I, I totally agree with that, obviously. That's that's why I do this podcast and, and the other things that I do. Um, 
what are some of the barriers to people getting into that? What prevents teachers from from taking that step and and helping others and contributing to the larger picture of education? Yeah, and then, you know, the easy answer is that it's going to be time, right? But I don't think that's the real answer. I think the real answer lies in having um, vehicles to do that. Uh, and not every teacher needs to be like a teacherpreneur, which I'm not even sure I like that word, or an edupreneur. I'm not sure I like that word either. But um, I think, you know, folks just don't know the menu of how they can help someone else outside the walls of their school. Um, you know, a, a simple like, hey, sit down and talk with this group of teachers from around the country. Or, you know what, there's probably folks working on a project that you work on. Why don't you find folks to work on that together? Um, you know, we are going to get to a point where there is a beautiful repository of resources, ideas, conversations that are going on around the big things that are happening in most classrooms, whether it's about novels for high school English or it's this. And we're already seeing this around... Um, AP tests in high school, that mm -hmm. there are growing communities of teachers that are saying we can do this better together. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's it. And so certainly social media plays a role there and can, uh, but there are lots of ways to connect. And um, you know, I, I would say that it is more challenging in a rural place. Um, I'm guessing on the island there uh, that, that counts. Uh, but I, I know my friends in rural Missouri – uh, there's some that have figured it out and lots of those folks that still, um, you know, are trying to figure out how they can contribute to something larger. And I think we're just not, you know, presenting options to folks. I, and I think leaders have a role in connecting to other schools. Um, you know, there's a great partnership here in the St. Louis area. Um, uh, not in the St. Louis area, but between um, a high school in Iowa and a high school in uh, Missouri that have actually shared teachers. Like, I, I want these five teachers to go there for a week. I'll get subs for the week, but you're going to go and embed yourself in their culture. You're going to live with the teachers at their homes, and then we're going to flip and do the other way the second semester. It's mm -hmm. been a really, really cool program and two really innovative principals that have helped pull that off. Huh, that's cool. Maybe I should uh, talk to those two principals also about that. Um, yeah, that so experience. both uh, uh, Jimmy Casas at Bettendorf uh, High School in Iowa and uh, Doc Sechrist, who, uh, who's Doc Sechrist on Twitter at uh, St. Joe Central High School in uh, St. Joseph, Missouri. Very, very cool stuff going on there. Uh, I, I knew that I... I thought I had heard you talking about this, but I think I actually heard Jimmy Casas talking about it at the um, ICLE conference I went to in February in, in Nashville. I, I got to meet him for the first time. He is definitely inspiring and a great, great uh, principal that's doing some awesome things. So He actually, I, I don't know, I, I posted it to our Voxer group, but you may, you know, that stuff flies by. He wrote an incredible incredible post recently about why he continues to be a principal and why it matters so deeply to him. And I was just really, it was really, really good. Cool. I'll have to, uh, look that up also and put that in the show notes. Cause that's a, that's a, I'm sure from him, I, I don't remember seeing that, but that I'm sure that's a great blog yeah. post cause he's pretty awesome. Yeah. 
Um, so you, so you've been in your current position for three years now. Yeah, just right? actually just two plus, but two yeah, plus. Okay. after after fifteen years as a middle school principal and uh, a chunk of years as a high school English and journalism teacher. So actually, cool. my first degree is actually in journalism. So we talk about storytelling and we talk about communicating. Um, I feel like some of those are in my DNA a little more than they are uh, for maybe the uh, principal who was a math teacher. So uh, uh, I, I, I get it at a level uh, pretty uh, pretty quickly on that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I think that's that's pretty cool. What do you see as the things that you are focusing on for the next year, two, or three? What what direction are you trying to head? What, where are you trying to take everybody? Yeah, you know, a really important thing is that our leadership team, our building principals, continue to not only give space for innovation, but actually are starting to be able to be leaders around that. I think that um, really need to continue to build leadership capacity. And, you know, we see this around the country, right, Mm -hmm. is that um, unless that superintendent is supportive, and the leadership in the building, not just the one person that's the champion of something, um, takes it on and really believes in it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that that's a primary goal of mine for the year. Uh, the second piece is that we are building an uh, incredible K-1-2 makerspace that... Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't even want to talk about the stuff that's going to be in there. I want to talk about how the philosophy of it I think is tremendous to helping kids grow creativity and curiosity and really at our lowest levels at our school district begin the mindset of create, make, and design. Uh, my whole goal here is over the next two or three years that that's what you hear people talking about all the time is create, make, design. How are we doing those things to engage kids? How are we doing those things to empower kids? How are we doing those things to truly elevate uh, both teaching and learning here? And so those three verbs are central to my long game. Hmm. Create, make, and design. I like that. Um, I can't say that. I, I say it over and over at nauseum here. But you know what? If you uh, stay on message and have a long game, people are going to know at, that what matters to you. And they know that that matters to me here. Yeah. So I've I've got to share a quick little story with you about my first grade daughter who yes well going into second grade now but we got some of those uh, snap circuit things where you snap and do electronics yep and there was one where it was we we're following the little guide of what projects to do and there was one that that put a paperclip between two um, connectors or points or whatever they are cool thing is I don't even know that much about electronics but i was able to to help my kids learn a little bit about it and she uh i told the kids they needed to go find other things that they wanted to try and see if they could light up an led um bulb with those um with connecting with something besides a paperclip so um they did and then they started getting silly and as kids do and my daughter said um i wonder if rhubarb will work and I was like, well, go try it. And I didn't know if it was or not. I know a potato conducts electricity, but I didn't know if if a uh, if a piece of rhubarb would. And so she went and got one. And then when she, like, 
she actually did it and put it on and it did light up, she was like, she thought she was the world's first person who had discovered that rhubarb could conduct electricity. And she was so excited. And that was so eye-opening to me because she's a, you know, smart girl, hard worker. And yet here was something that she was, she was just being silly. And then, oh my gosh, it actually worked. And I was like, I, I kicked myself for not having my camera out earlier. So I, she was like jumping up and down and screaming. And then I, I thought to get out my camera and record her talking about it. And she was just so excited. And that is real, authentic, amazing learning that, and we all feel that way when we really learn something or figure something out on our own, no matter how small it is. And, um, it was just incredible. It was so much fun and such a great, um, experience to see, her figure that out and to be so excited about it. So, you know, I, I even personally, sadly have thought how valuable could maker spaces be for kids that young. And then I realized, you know, every, everything is a maker space to them, <laughs> you know, the, their whole world, they're learning everything. And so, yes, it's incredibly valuable. And that doesn't mean that they'll be, you know, making robots do what they want in kindergarten though maybe they will um they're not going to be doing these advanced things but they're going to be doing it at an appropriate level for them that are going to have a big impact on them learning at a young age and learning things that that we may not think they're capable of learning right so awesome what a great story and also just the piece of like seeing that firsthand and getting that making is so often about the process and the mindset and not the product. Right. Um, and it's just so, so important that we are, you know, helping cultivate kids that have a mindset that they can be solution makers. Don't we need solution makers for the biggest, biggest and hairiest problems of our world? And if we aren't doing that, then who is going to do that? And so absolutely. I, I just, yeah, it's just, it is so important. So, yeah. So the the last question that I ask everybody is what is one thing that principals can do this week to help them be transformative principals? Go read something that doesn't have to do with education with your principal hat on. Mm-hmm. Um, I have so much lateral capacity building that I make. Go find something. Go find a podcast. Go find something that doesn't have to do with education. Go watch a TED Talk that doesn't have anything to do with education, but do it with your principal hat on and see what transference happens. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we forget sometimes and get buried in the education weeds. We got to get out. We got to go paint a picture. We got to go do something um, that is different and out of the ordinary to break us from our routine. And good stuff comes out of that. Yeah. Absolutely. That's the, uh, the same advice that Brendan Hufford gave a, um, I think, I can't, I think episode 68 of this podcast. Um, but he said the same thing. Do some, if you want to learn about education, then don't read anything that's education related, read other things. Um, and then you emphasize the part about keep your principal hat on. 
And that is, that is so true. And I have, I've definitely learned that many of the podcasts that I listen to are not focused on education, but I've gotten some of my best ideas from listening to those things and, and figuring out, uh, some other ways to look at things. That's not how we always look at it. So I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I actually, this morning on my run, I was listening to a leadership podcast, but they were talking about creativity and it was, um, just a good different way about going at things. And mm-hmm. so it's What podcast was that? If you don't mind sharing, the, uh, the entree leadership podcast. Did you tell oh. me that you listened to that too? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I forgot. Didn't you like you, when you were in Nashville, you hung out with the guy. That's you, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, when I was in Nashville, I, I went and met Dave Ramsey. Who's, who's the guy who started, who wrote the entree leadership book. Yeah. And, um, yeah, super great podcast. I really love that one. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I feel like I'm a little sporadic in listening to it, but, um, yeah, I, I have too, maybe I have too many podcasts going right now, but, um, it's good. Yeah, I do too. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely there. So another one that you'll like is the uh, Chris Licurdo show. He used to work for Dave Ramsey and then went out on his own. And the way that he, that he, um, the way that he talks on his podcast is just so like, I feel like I know him. Like, I feel like I could just call him up and be like, Hey, do you remember when you were talking about that thing? Uh, can you like, tell me a little more about that? He's, he's awesome. I've been trying to get him on, on this podcast and we haven't been able to make our, our schedules work out, but, um, he is definitely inspiring. So, um, be sure to check that one out too. Yeah. I, I think I thank you for having me, and uh, let's just this begin be the beginning of the conversation. I, I like that idea. How can people get a hold of you and and learn more from you? Follow you on the web and all that. Yeah, so I'm uh, Idea Guy Forty Two on Twitter, and then all of my other uh, stuff, including my blog, can be found at drrobertdillon.com. Cool. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Jethro. More soon. All right. As you have heard by now, I have joined the Edu Podcast Network, the Podcasters Network for Educators by Mr. Nessie. And I'm pretty excited about doing this because I feel like I am part of a great group of other podcasters who really care about providing high quality content to educators to help them learn in a way that is comfortable and good for them. I hope that you uh, will listen to the other great podcasts on there and that you will uh, support the network by downloading and rating and reviewing all the shows that you listen to. And I appreciate your support in this show. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones and follow the podcast on Twitter at TRNFRM principle. This week I would like to highlight the House of Hashtag EdTech podcast that explores how technology is changing the way teachers teach and the impact that technology is having in education. That is hosted by at Mr. Nessie, Christopher J. Nessie. You can follow him on Twitter. He is also the father of the Edu Podcast Network. So I hope you go listen to his podcast and learn a lot from him.
Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers' time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.